This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our adventures in Acts with The Gospel Comes to Corinth, Persecution in Corinth, Paul Returns to Antioch, Apollos, and Two Years in Ephesus. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
seminary and the academic year, which we begin in your name this day, bless those who teach and those who learn, and so renew and increase in us the gifts of your Spirit, that we may be built up in our most holy faith, strengthened for every duty, and enabled to render you and our fellow men true acceptable service through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As president of Concordia Theological Seminary, by the authority vested in me by the Board of Regents, I now declare the opening of the 178th academic year of this seminary in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the true faith flourish among us, the fear of God and the love of the brethren. May the voice of prayer continually be heard here, the voice of rejoicing and salvation, the voice of praise and the invocation of the most glorious and honorable name of the triune God, henceforth and forever. <coughs> Amen.
reading from Ephesians chapter 5. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not associate with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. O Lord, have mercy on us. Reading from St. Matthew, chapter 12. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, 
and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. O Lord, is firmly set in the heavens. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
This is, perhaps, the perfect text for the opening of an academic year. I mean, of course, the gospel lesson read before. Because it gives us a theological problem to address. In fact, several. But one in particular. What statement from Jesus generates more concern than this one? Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I'm willing to bet that if you've taught confirmation class in any way, shape, or form, and this text has come up, the kids have asked you if they've committed that sin. And the same holds true of adults. They are rightly terrified that they have unwittingly committed the sin against the Holy Ghost, as I learned to speak of it in my own confirmation experience. And if that has happened to you, you undoubtedly talk to either your pastor or to a field work supervisor or an internship supervisor or, best of all, a professor. And no doubt, one of them has given you the simple way to deal with this. If you're worried that you have committed the sin against the Holy Spirit, then you probably haven't. And that's what seminary is all about, isn't it? Learning the simple, straightforward answer to tough Bible questions. The best way to handle them is to quote the small catechism. That absolutely settles the matter. The problem is, this text doesn't come up in the small catechism. Now what? Well, you have to read and think, and that's hard. And it's also dangerous, because now the opportunity emerges to go completely off the rails theologically. Because, to put it in the form of a question, isn't that exactly what the Pharisees did in our text? They had simple, straightforward answers for every Bible question that came up. And if the Bible didn't say clearly enough what they wanted it to say, or didn't say it at all, then they reinterpreted things to their own satisfaction. Ah, but this can't be us, we say. After all, the Pharisees practiced cursed eisegesis. We practice blessed exegesis. To which I say, well, Mr. or Ms. Pharisee, that's a nice, straightforward, simple answer that covers all the bases and helps no one. The temptation is always to say too much, too quickly, and the better way is to let Jesus do the showing and the talking. And that's what we get in this text. Instead of a formulaic answer, Jesus challenges us with a simultaneously simple and complicated consideration of life. The narrative is simple. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him. And he, Jesus, healed him so that the man spoke and saw. Jesus helped this poor man. He loosed his tongue. He gave him sight. What could possibly be wrong with that? Well, what was wrong with that was that it was not only the dumb man who was affected. It was not only the mute man who saw and confessed. It was all the people there who started to see and confess in a new way, as the text says. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? all the people said. And that's what the Pharisees 
could not abide. People were moved by Christ's spirit to confess Christ as David's son. And so what did the Pharisees do? They theologically pounced on and pronounced against Jesus. It is only by Beelzebul that the, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. There's your simple and straightforward and completely wrong, I might add, theological statement. And this is what I cannot stand about those blasted Pharisees. Christ, the fulfillment of Scripture, stood right before them. And he fulfilled those Scriptures right before them. And they missed it despite the fact that he was right before them. So why did they miss it? Because they apparently could not have cared less about the demon-oppressed man, or the demon-oppressed crowd, or the demon-conquering Christ. What they cared about was themselves and their theologically correct position. And that led them to their smug judgment against Jesus. That, I would submit, is the easy way. But it must not be our way. It is oh so simple to take the path of the Pharisees. After all, we are Missouri Synod Lutherans. We are truly Lutheran. We are confessionally Lutheran. And we know and speak the right things. Or at least we're learning what they are and brushing up on our obtuse theological jargon. Perhaps you already had your first class. Now don't get me wrong. I'm glad that you are confessional LCMS Lutherans. And I and my colleagues are here to make you better confessional LCMS Lutherans. But that kind of formation is not the goal in and of itself. Its purpose is not abstract theological judgment as the last word. The purpose of pastoral and diaconal formation is rather ultimately to help you speak the gospel, to speak Christ into situations and to individuals who have fallen captive to the great demonic oppressor. To put it another way, our job is to enhance your confession faith-seeking understanding, as we like to say it. It is not to guide you into self-satisfied Phariseeism. Rather, it is to shape and lead you, just as we all continue to be shaped and led by Christ into the cruciform form of his life for us. For hidden under and shaped by the cross, the incarnate Son of God served by healing and by speaking words of peace with God through the forgiveness of sins. And in the great irony of Christianity, he fulfilled this by emptying himself and taking on the form of a servant to the point of death, even death on a cross. And through that cross, Christ showed himself stronger than the strong man, binding the demon oppressor of human beings. For as Christ himself says, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. And plunder it he has. I look out at you all and I see Christ's loot. You, you are Christ's own, whom he has plundered from the devil. Not with pharisaical gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. 
And week in and week out, Jesus continues to plunder the still-bound, strong oppressor. As Christ, through his Spirit, calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies his captive children. And this is what we, especially, need to recall as we open yet another academic year. You are being formed, prepared to participate in this ongoing story of setting captives free. Christ will see to it that people of every age, background, and condition are brought to him through you. But whatever their race or sex, whatever language they speak, whatever their socioeconomic standing, whoever they are, there is one thing they all share. They will all be demon-oppressed, constantly torn and harassed by the temptations of this world and by the evil one who seeks to have them speak against and deny Christ. And so our Lord uses you to speak a different word. A different word spoken into their hopeless and harassed reality. A word of the gospel. And through you, Christ will spirit away yet another oppressed captive. And their eyes will be opened to see the crucified and risen one who has taken away all their sins, restored them to the Father and their tongues will be loosed to confess with the confidence that only the Holy Spirit gives. This is the son of David. In fact, that's what's happening to you right now. Right now and right here, right before you. And that, dear friends, is what seminary is really all about. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Dear brethren in Christ, the Lord grant that you receive and keep these words in your heart, that you may be strengthened and encouraged in your labors. It is the mission of Concordia Theological Seminary to prepare men for the office of the Holy Ministry of Word and Sacrament. To that end, the seminary seeks to equip the student with the knowledge, attitudes, and skills requisite for this ministry, leading him to display the gifts with which the Holy Spirit has endowed him by reverence for God, by faithful use of Word and Sacrament, by diligent study and prayer, by adorning the doctrine of our Savior with the Holy Life, to accept without reservation the scripture of the Old and New Testaments as the written Word of God and the only rule and norm of faith and practice, to accept without reservation the ecumenical creeds and all the confessional writings of the Evangelical Lutheran Church contained in the Book of Chronicles as a true and unadulterated statement and exposition of the Word of God, to manifest an appreciation for to have a comprehensive understanding of the Holy Scriptures and the skill to interpret them on the basis of the original languages 
and in accordance with the confessions of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, to exhibit an understanding of and appreciation for the Church's confession of scriptural doctrine, and to have the skill to present such doctrine clearly, to show an understanding of and appreciation for God's guidance in the history of the Church, and to have the skill to investigate the Church's past and to interpret it to the present generation, to give evidence of understanding the pastoral office as the ministry of proclaiming God's work purely and administering the sacraments according to Christ's mandate for the edification of God's people, teaching them to live faithfully in their vocation, and to indicate a complete dedication to the office of the Holy Ministry and readiness to accept his first call. Do you solemnly promise to instruct and guide the students at this seminary in accord with this mission? This is my solemn promise before God, who sees and knows all things, and I earnestly pray and graciously to strengthen and guide me in this my promise. You have heard the solemn promise of the man called to ministry at this seminary. Will you now receive him, show him fitting respect and honor, and pledge to cooperate with and support him in his work. If so, answer, we will with the help of God. We will with the help of God. Carl Beckwith, I install you as professor of historical theology at Concordia Theological Seminary. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
us pray. Almighty God, your Son willingly endured the agony and shame of the cross for our redemption. Grant us courage to take up our cross daily and follow him wherever he leads. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Almighty God, your Son Jesus Christ gave to his apostles many excellent gifts and commanded them earnestly to feed his flock. Fill those who aspire to the office of the holy ministry with a loving concern for your people and equip them with a competency to be able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, as Phoebe, Dorcas, and others were chosen to assist in the work of the apostles and to serve in works of love, so have you guided women to prepare for service as deaconesses in your church. Grant them grace and strength during their time of study and preparation, that they may serve you faithfully to the glory of your name, to the help of those in need, and to the everlasting benefit of your church. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, your mercies are new to us every morning, and though we in no wise deserve your goodness, you abundantly provide for all our wants of body and soul. Give us, we humbly pray, your Holy Spirit, that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness toward us, give thanks for all your benefits, and cheerfully serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Let us bless the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It is a privilege and delight to welcome you here this morning as we celebrate God's continued work here at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. We're especially thankful for those friends and family who are here to celebrate along with new students, returning students, those who joined us via live stream. It is great to have you with us, but it's also kind of nice to have this first year class here with us. You all are gifts from God, co-workers in Christ alongside of us, and we are deeply thankful for your presence. We're also deeply thankful to Dr. Beckwith joining us. Another gift. God so richly lavishes his gifts upon us. Remarkable. We look forward to our service alongside of you as well and happy to have your family here with us. What a great privilege. Dr. Grimm said to me, now don't go into auto mode and thank the preacher. <laughs> but I will criticize him for going a little bit long. <laughs> it is such a great thing to gather together as the people of God in Christ to celebrate his work, his ongoing plundering of the demon oppressor, and to bring into his kingdom so many gifted servants. And that we do day in and day out with deep thankfulness but also recognition that what we do is indeed preparatory, one step back from the real work that you will ultimately do. And as we celebrate this day, I think there was something about uh, 
the sun shining on us uh, in uh, a couple of the hymns today will be a hot one. But it is a great day to take advantage of our time together to look at the handiwork of God in creation, but even more specifically, to see in the face of Christ the love of the Father for each of us, his creation, his fallen people, but who have been restored through Christ and gathered by the Spirit. God bless you this day and always. In the name of Christ.